Hello, and welcome to The Faraway Nearby. This is a special edition. We're dedicating this to our dearly departed fathers. It was recently Father's Day, and hubby Billy and I are getting together so we can talk about fond memories of the men who raised us. Hello, honey. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Just cooling off up here in the Star Sage Studios. Got the window open, and thankfully no trains have driven by just yet. Well, that's good. It does tend to be a hot box up there. And you downstairs with the putty cats. Yes, I'm getting mauled as we speak. (laughs) So for our listeners, Hubby and I are going to take turns on a handful of questions here. And we're going to uh, bring back some happy memories and fond moments of our, our dear dad. So... It's been a number of years since either of us had our dads in our lives. They they passed away more than 15 years ago now, uh, actually almost 20 for me. And um, hubby Billy's uh, papa passed away a couple of years just after mine. So we'll start this off, and hubby, I'm just going to go ahead and ask you the first one here. So if you will, please... Uh, let our listeners know a little bit about your dad. Tell us, you know, uh, what kind of a place did he come from and what was special about him? Well, my dad grew up in a small town in the Finger Lakes. He was raised on a small street that also happened to be right where the fairgrounds was. So he always had a colorful summer either working at the fair or going to the fair, because it was basically right across the street. He got in the Navy about, I would say, right out of high school, and was a telegraph operator or communication operator, whatever you want to call it, back in those days. He basically almost became a priest, of all things. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm a little bastard, technically. (laughs) But luckily, he decided to go a different route, met my mother, and the rest, as they say, is history. And uh, what kind of things did he accomplish in his lifetime? He worked for a major telecommunication firm back in the 80s, and... We were one of the first people to have a cellular phone in our car. Mind you, it did take up the majority of the trunk, but he was able to answer telephone calls while he was driving, which now would probably be illegal. And did, was he uh, a, a morning person? What kind of uh, a schedule did he keep with work? He usually worked the night shift. He was one of a few people that was able to do the night shift and was able to handle all the telecommunication equipment. So basically, he was a jack of all trades. They didn't need an entire staff there in case something went wrong. My dad was able to take care of it if something happened. It was basically back in the old days, they had a lot of different 
lines that were designated between cities. And if one of those lines went down, you had to reroute it from other cities. So from what I remember being a kid, let's say if Buffalo, Syracuse, New York City, if they couldn't communicate with, let's say, Orlando, Florida, he would have to find a city he could communicate with and then route that line to that other city. So it was rather confusing because probably nowadays you could just use the internet, but it didn't exist back then. And uh, during the week when your dad was working those late hours, when would you usually see him? What was he normally doing when you were around the house? Usually when I got home, he was asleep, taking a nap before he went into work at 10 o'clock. So I got to see him for dinner and in the evening, and then I didn't get to see him until the next, I guess, dinner break that he got. Turning the table on that now, my dad, Papa Star Sange, he came from a small town just not far from the Finger Lakes. Uh, We didn't grow up in Oslo. I like to call it the haystack out there. But uh, Papa Star Sage grew up in a very much a railroad town. In fact, it used to be a hub, a depot. They had what's called a switch house. And it was one of those round buildings that back in the day when it was still running, the train would come into this big building and then the entire track would be turned like a record player so that the train could go the other direction. Well, uh, this little town my dad was from uh, employed a lot of people on the railroad. And coincidentally, by the time my folks met up, a thing came around called the interstate highway system. So the highways and uh, the growing uh, American love affair with the automobile pushed people out of work in his little hometown. Papa Star Sage grew up with the understanding that his family was very Irish in their roots and that, unbeknownst to him, they were supposedly people that came over during the potato famine. Now, of course, I know quite a bit better than that. They were here since uh, the before the Civil War, but <laughs> that's the tale that Papa was raised on now. He went through a hard time growing up because his, well, his folks probably got married young and like all good Irish Catholic families, they had a litter of children. And I'm sure that with the long hours my grandfather supposedly kept on the rails, it wore on their marriage. So by the time that Papa Starsage was in middle school, his folks were on the outs. But... Uh, One of his great loves was movies, and that's because when times weren't that happy, he used to skip school and go to the movies. Although he never was able to finish school because he he dropped out in order to work to help support his family, his his brothers and sisters, Papa Starsage, I would say, accomplished a fair amount for somebody in that position in life. 
he built a number of houses as a building contractor, and several of them our family managed to live in. In fact, my eldest sister, Ronnie, is fortunate enough that she was able to keep the last of his homes in the family. So, honey, we move on to our next question here. And, of course, everybody loves a little bit of a story. So, if you could, please tell our listeners, from as far as you know, how did your parents meet? My parents met at a bank in the small town they grew up in. It was around the time my dad got out of the Navy that up until he got his big break working at the telecommunication firm, he decided to have a little side job just to make ends meet. It was just a small town bank, and I don't think my parents had met up before. My mom was basically a country club girl. My dad was from the other side of the tracks, pretty much a carny because they lived across from the fairgrounds. So they never had really mingled before. So I, I didn't really get the first date story out of them. They didn't really talk about it because, well, my parents got divorced around the same time that I was you know, in high school. And, you know, during a divorce, you don't ask your parents how they first met. (laughs) And I never really brought that up again after the divorce. Um, (laughs) So, you know, divorce kind of ruins those fuzzy, happy moments that you usually talk about with your kids. What a coincidence that your dad would decide to take that job, though, because did your mom take the... uh, the courses for business school after that job or before? Yes. She actually, which is funny because the big telecommunication firm was actually right around the corner from the school that my mom went to. She actually went to business school. Mm -hmm. And a decade later, my dad would work just around the corner. And funny side story, while my mom decided to go to the big city and go to business school, she stayed at this lovely little hotel. Well, it has now become basically a sex den, and they just shut it down. (laughs) Um, So that's how things change within a few decades. Um, But yeah, I don't think that... um, I don't think that they ever met before then, and even even with them working at the bank, my mom had the business background, but my dad really didn't. His was more in te- telecommunication, so I'm not sure how he ended up at the bank. I never really asked him that, unfortunately. So she she went to the business school first before working at the bank? Correct. Oh, how ironic. But he probably wasn't working in Oslo yet. No, he wasn't. Gotcha. Okay, so it was all timing. Well, that's interesting. So now for me, Papa Star Sage met a uh, a raven-haired nursing student. Uh, Of course, that's Mama Star Sage. And uh, Mama Star Sage came from farming people. 
her folks were from originally a, a rural community in northeastern Pennsylvania. I'm sure that both of my grandparents probably went to the last classes in their one-room schoolhouses back in the day. But um, Papa Star Sage met Mama at a church-sponsored roller skating party. Now, when my grandparents divorced well before I was ever a twinkle in an eye, Papa went to stay with his mother and stepdad in the town where this church gathering took place. And I've been told that it was actually Dad's stepsister who basically played Cupid at this church party and said, she looks like a nice young lady. You should ask her to dance. And so that, of course, is my redheaded aunt that we all know and love. And she gives football player hugs. But the, uh, the other part of that story is that since Papa Star Sage came from what we used to call in those days a broken home, he really felt adopted quickly and included in Mama Star Sage's family because my grandparents were not only rural farm people, but they were also very church-going and had very old-fashioned values. And so Grandma uh, just adopted him and treated him like her own son. In fact, uh, nowadays, my eldest sister Ronnie and I have access to mom and dad's love letters since they're no longer with us. And the story goes that dad had a learning disability on top of having dropped out of school. And so in the days before he uh, asked mom to take his hand, apparently grandma was one to help dad write his letters. So meeting at the roller skating rink, I guess that would explain his love of the movie Xanadu we just watched. <laughs> you know, that probably plays something into that as well. And uh, the other ironic part about that is also that my dad's brother, who may have been there that night, met my mom's sister and there could have been a double wedding, but as mom liked to tell us, her sister was jealous and wanted her own to do. Mm. Now, did they do it on roller skates? Oh, well. Um, <laughs> one never knows. I mean, the wedding. Oh, oh. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. Well, it's cooler than the upstairs room, I can tell you that. <laughs> so, honey, the next question that I have for you is, uh, li explain to the listener, share with the listeners a little bit, will you, if you could. Um, do you have a favorite memory of your dad? It doesn't have to be from childhood. It can be, you know, um, just before he passed. But, you know, a moment that you recall where you were with your dad and he did something that stood out to you. Or maybe he said something that stuck with you all these years later. What's your favorite memory of him? 
one of my favorite memories with him is I was quite the artistic kid back in the 80s. I grew up in the era of the VCR tape where you could go and rent whatever you wanted. And I loved horror movies, not just scary movies, but total blood fast, gross out horror movies. And I was fascinated by the special effects in them. And I got all the magazines I could to try to figure it out. I, I just loved making, you know, stuff from the movies that I saw on screen. And my dad didn't necessarily care for the movies. However, he knew a lot of people and somehow figured out where I could acquire these items. This was before the internet. So you had to search all sorts of different shops for liquid rubber, plaster of Paris, sculpting clay, whatever I needed. My dad would take me out and hunt those items down. He may not have appreciated the movies that I liked, but he appreciated my love of the special effects. So my favorite memory would be him going with me to all of these crazy shops all over Oslo to track this stuff down. When back in the 80s, it really wasn't that available. And so he, he must have spent a ton of time tracking this stuff down. And it actually culminated in him finding out that Robert England, none other than Freddy Krueger, was going to be at a local college. And I saw it on TV, and I'm like, oh, it's at a local college. I'm young. You know, there's no way I could go and blah, blah, blah. My dad got tickets for it and took me to see one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that had just come out on a big screen at a local college. And they had a meet and greet and a discussion with Robert England afterwards. And it wasn't a very large affair. So I, I got to meet Robert England. I got to, you know, ask questions. And Robert England seemed a little fascinated by the fact that I was into the effects and so forth, and not just the characters. I was more interested in how they were put together. And somehow my dad and him got talking, and a camera came out, and Robert England actually picked me up by my neck. And I have a picture of me about 14, 15, grinning ear to ear, because here's, you know, Freddy Krueger holding me by my neck up off the ground. <laughs> so, despite whatever crazy stuff I was into, you know, my dad, my favorite memories were him supporting me even when he didn't like it. Hmm. Even going to the movies to see them which normally ended up me waking him up because he was snoring too loudly, but, you know. <laughs> hmm. Well, 
uh, I, of course, have a lot of fond memories of my dad because he was a stay-at-home dad. He ended up giving up his job because mom and dad figured out at one point that it was uh, easier on their budget for them to only keep one car on the road and not have to pay a babysitter if he stayed home with us. So, But I would say that probably my favorite memory of dad would be the times that we spent uh, trying to figure out how to pass the time. Like, um, you, you know, we would have a day where maybe the car had to go in to be worked on and mom still worked that day. So maybe she got a ride from a friend or we dropped her off. But while we were having to uh, waste time, my dad was a, uh, a master at figuring out how to make use of his time. And we would do things like go to a car dealership and we would be pretended we would pretend to be interested in a certain car just so that we could test drive it. And we would also go to places like an RV dealership just so that we could walk around inside the campers and see what they were like. And on the same note, we would also go to mobile home uh, sales places so that we could tour the houses. So all those things together my dad figuring out how to manage the time when he has time to, to kill uh, were some of my favorite memories. Oh, that's cool. So uh, the next question that I have for you, my dear, is, uh, let's see, to, to give a little more background on your dad, to give people an idea of the sort of things that he was interested in, uh, give our listeners a list of some of the things you remember as being his favorite. If you like this show, head on over to the Voice of Geeks Network at vognetwork.com. We'll find shows like Ranger Pride, which talks about my favorite childhood show, Power Rangers, as well as the Geek Cards, where you can immerse yourself in geek culture at vognetwork.com. Favorites, net. That could be anything under the sun, whether it's music or if it's uh, food or, you know, uh, TV shows, anything. And stop playing with what you're doing because I can hear it. Well, one of his favorite things was music. He actually liked opera. And he had probably about 100 opera records one point and he would listen to them usually when he got home from work at six in the morning so we were all getting up and he would be listening to his records so aside from his music did he have any uh, particular you know uh favorite treats, uh, something that was always around the kitchen or maybe by his favorite chair? Oh, I'm glad you asked, because this is one that you have to deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> he had one thing that he loved above all else, and I have taken right after him. Deals. My dad loved to save money. 
He loved to go to Goodwill, antique malls, you name it. A flea market on a 100-degree day, no problem, we would go. He loved them. And unfortunately for DJ, our house probably has half the items in it with a Goodwill sticker on the bottom. But I learned how to shop. I learned how to get what I want at a good price thanks to the teachings of my father and how to be patient to look for those deals. For the uninitiated, uh, it should be noted that Chateau Star Sage has a lot in common with the museum. We could very well charge admission, but then again, we'd have to clean. Well, there's we both have a slight problem. Our families really haven't given us a lot of our family history. We don't own a lot of our family history because we don't have kids yet. So, the people that get the hand-me-downs or the family furniture or heirlooms are usually the one with kids. So, you know, like there was an incident where DJ had this tin set for the kitchen that he remembers as a kid. And he's asked for, but the whereabouts of it is a little murky. So between all the Goodwills and online thrift shops, I tracked down the exact canister set that his mother had in the kitchen. So there are many things in our chateau here that we remember as kids, and we knew that our parents had them, but yet we don't have the actual one. But we've actually have tracked down many of those items and have our fake family history, as it were, inside our home. And do you remember Ronnie's reaction when we had to uh, basically drag her kicking and screaming the once of a couple of times she's been here? Oh, she got in the kitchen, and she didn't seem interested in anything else. Her eyes pierced the air like there was no tomorrow and zoomed right in on that canister set and asked where we got them, how we got them, so forth and so on. You could tell she was obviously wondering if we snook them at one point in her home until I showed her the labels on the bottom of them. (laughs) So that was how I knew I got the exact set. (laughs) So in my case, uh, Papa Star Sage, once again, grew up in a quote-unquote broken home. And unfortunately, at no fault of his own, he didn't know any better, he passed on a number of bad habits to his children. And most of those I have attributed to food addiction, Uh, You know, when you are skipping school and going to the movies, of course all of your happiest memories are going to be gooey chocolate and peanut buttery. So some of uh, Dad's favorite things were things that used to surround his favorite chair in the living room. And in fact, at least until more recent years, my nieces and nephews were reminded of their grandfather's favorites since he's been gone for so long. 
and this is to in some way help keep his memory alive. He really enjoyed these um, wintergreen mints that you can buy in the dollar section in your grocery store, in the drug stores, and they're also trademarked by the name Canada. So they're the pink Canada mints. Dad used to keep those on his end table and also on his nightstand, and they're the kind of mints that were very soft when they were fresh. They would melt in your mouth. Some of the other things he enjoyed, he liked hard candy. He also adored, and yes, I'm probably going to get a few people saying you, but he adored the orange marshmallow circus peanuts, which are not only orange in color, but somewhat in taste. And we forgive those who just said you, because those things are heaven. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, one of Dad's favorite things was peanut butter. And I remember as a child learning that Dad liked his coffee a certain way, and it was thick like fudge. And by that, I mean there was a healthy amount of milk and sugar in there. And Dad would always have peanut butter toast. And the toast would have so much peanut butter on it that when you squeezed it, it gushed out the sides. Dad would cut that, and then he would dunk his peanut butter toast in his coffee like it were a donut. So, no, I, I was never close to 300 pounds, but I still love you, Dad, wherever you are. So that would explain your your love of taking two packaged cinnamon rolls and placing a Reese's peanut butter cup in the center and nuking it till it's nice and warm. Now, if we're going to promote food addiction, my love, you have to get the recipe right. It's two peanut butter cups. <laughs> two. Are we talking the big cups or the two mini cups? Uh, well, you know, uh, listeners, um, hubby does work in retail, so I have to ask, when it comes to cups, are we talking about later, ladies' underclothes? No, Reese peanut butter <laughs> cups come in two sizes. Well, three if you count the mini ones, but they don't count. <laughs> the, the big one, you know, the Reese's big cup. Right, well... Yeah, I guess the answer to that is that it all depends on how eager you are. When I did it and fell off the wagon the other month, I think I only put two of the regular Reese's Cups on there. Oh, that's good then. But I'm pretty sure Toppy Smelly tried it out as soon as he learned about it. i am actually been considering it. <laughs> Well, if you have to teach others bad habits, at least do it with people that aren't going to last, a.k.a. your peers at Grace Brothers. You, you have to do it right. Just like with the circus peanuts, there's a couple of brands. Spangler, which seems to be everywhere, is kind of gross. The other brand is Metzler. And those are usually sold at the big Wally Mart. And they basically make the majority of the no-name circus peanuts as well. So if, if you do want to fall off the bandwagon with circus peanuts, go for the Metzler ones, not the Spangler ones. The Spangler ones smell and taste like nail polish remover. 
And I, for one, am curious to know how a circus peanut would uh, fare soaking it in rum. Because I know that gummy candies will soak up the rum. But I'm thinking that since uh, circus peanuts are marshmallow-based, they might dissolve. There's a recipe book almost solely devoted to circus peanuts. My mom always makes, in fact, we just had it, every holiday this orange whip jello made with Cool Whip, orange gelatin, and small madron oranges. There is a version of it with circus peanuts. Mm. And I'm fighting as hard as I can not to make a big old bowl of it. Yes, that would have to be on a cheat day, that's for sure. Or a day you're not home. Sure, I'll just have to bribe the cats to confess. What or- happens at Chateau Star Sage when DJ's not home doesn't matter. Until you look in the trash. Well, we burn the trash. Sure. <laughs> so, the uh, one of the last questions that we have here is... Um, a little more insight on our dearly departed fathers. Tell the listeners something about your dad that stood out. And uh, this doesn't have to be a facial feature, although my dad had quite the schnoz, and I'm, I'm thankful that uh, that part of my face takes after mother's side. But uh, you know, if you would uh, describe something about your dad that stood out. Well, despite him being Irish and having bright red hair, um, my dad was the utmost humanitarian. He wanted to be a priest for a reason. And when he found out that he couldn't do everything back in the day that he wanted to, he decided to do it outside the church. And growing up, we used to help different families in our cities and bringing them clothes, bringing them food. And that was one thing that, you know, I'm thankful for that he did because it taught me how to appreciate what I have and how to help others when they don't have what I have. So that that's one of his, you know, things that has always stood out to me is his humanitarian, you know, efforts in helping other people. There have been a few times where it it got a bit iffy because if my dad saw an older lady or gentleman walking the side of the road and hitchhiking, he would pick them up. And strangely, a lot of these people he got to be good friends with. There was one lady that I remember that we picked up and picked up a few times instead of her taking the bus. And I probably knew her for about a decade before she passed away. We even used to visit her in the nursing home when she sold her house. So, you know, there were people that you know, sometimes we just knew them for a few minutes helping them out. 
but a lot of the people that he, you know, picked up or just helped a few times, he got to, you know, he got lifelong friends from it. And he got a lot of respect for that. Hmm. Well, um, in terms of Papa Star Sage, my dad, the thing that I would say probably stood out the most about him was his level of curiosity, his yearn, his, uh, his, 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 um, passion for knowledge, I guess I'd say, um, knowing of the childhood that he had growing up, I understand just that there were missed opportunities in his life. Now, uh, I mentioned that my father had a learning disability, so he never achieved his high school education, and uh, he was very supportive of his children. He never pushed them for uh, towards anything he didn't think they could accomplish. But uh, I look back on things, and I see a lot of moments where my dad had a, a passion to learn about something. We used to watch a lot of those... Um, you know, str- shows about the strange and unusual. He used to love Ripley's Believe It or Not because it would help you to understand how this strange thing works or why this animal looks the way it does and how it, you know, evolved or adapted. And, you know, you used to watch a lot of shows about carpentry because my dad was a building contractor and he loved woodworking one of the last things that my dad was able to gift to the family was he built a bedroom set that my mother held on to uh, when he passed this earth. And we also have some end tables that he built for the living room that have been kept in the family. So there, there are a lot of little things like that, but his, his passion to, to learn things, I think, is what stood out most. And sometimes we would be somewhere and he would meet somebody interesting and he would want to talk to them just so he could learn about something that maybe he wouldn't have exposure to on a day-to-day basis, like a bus driver or, you know, not that we had cabs uh, out in the haystack, but I'm sure he would talk to a cab driver if he ran across one. My dad did the same thing. He would talk to anybody. And I just don't mean a small conversation. Hours sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, that actually uh, helps me to understand some of the friends my dad had. You were saying about the lady that you guys kept in touch with. My dad used to have a friend through my mother's work. My mother is not only a nurse, but she retired from working for the Veterans Administration, the VA. And uh, there was a couple that we were friends with, and we called them our aunt and uncle. They were a couple that didn't have kids. But I remember uh, my childhood uncle that was mom and dad's friends. He was a Vietnam veteran, and this guy had post-traumatic stress, and you could not get him to... stop talking about a subject when he was excited 
And I remember my dad being the understanding soul that he was, would be on the phone for long periods of time, and you could see the signs of distress on his face. And so each of us kids would take turns going outside and ringing the doorbell or faking an injury in the house. (laughs) Okay, so the last question that I have for you, honey... Think for a moment, if you will, with all the knowledge and life experience that you have now, if you were able to talk to your dad one last time, what would you want to say to him? I would want to say thank you for my unconventional upbringing. When my parents got divorced, we didn't do the father and son go to the mall and you know popularity contest my dad did the humanitarian thing which was nursing homes helping out families and even though I didn't like it when I was a kid I gotta say that is the most beneficial thing I've ever had in my life was learning how to deal with a wide range of people especially in my job now elderly person comes in and A lot of the younger people don't know how to talk with them or help them. But thanks to my dad, I'm able to jump right in and help them and understand how to help them in the appropriate So if I could talk to my dad one more time, I'd want to say to him, thank you for giving it your all. Um, as as I've said a couple of times in this recording, my dad came from what then people called a broken home. So despite some of his uh, disadvantages in life, some of his shortcomings, I guess you might say, uh, I feel that my dad gave everything his all. He did everything he could to give his family, his children, every happiness in life that he didn't have. You know, by the time he was in middle school, any of his siblings that weren't old enough to have left home were all split up into foster homes. He was fortunate that he was able to keep in touch with his brothers, but he lost touch with his sisters. In fact, to this day... We have aunts that we're estranged from as part of that experience. But I think that um, despite the disadvantages that he had to face early on, I think that my dad did a fairly remarkable job of giving his family uh, everything he could and everything he had to give everyone in it a better chance at happiness than he had. That's nice. So, okay, uh, any last thoughts that you'd like to pass on to folks about Father's Day? We're a few days after the fact, but this is a special. Well, some crazy words were no matter how crazy you think your fathers or your moms are, Just be happy that you still have them in your lives. 
Me and DJ don't. And it's fun to talk about how our parents used to be. And it's always interesting that sometimes the things that gotten, you know, not annoyed per se, but sometimes the more challenging times always turn out to be the most cherished memories. Okay. So uh, it should be noted that this is the last episode for the summer of the Faraway Nearby. The princess and I are taking a little time off, but we will be coming back. The princess has just run off to her summer palace, and I will be finishing out my 100 episodes of Surely You Jest, but we'll be picking that back up in the fall, so we'll see you in September. And of course, as always, tune in to the Univaz Carousel of Shows, 7 p.m. until 10 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, at univazpods.net. Thank you for listening to The Far Away Nearby. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Find our fan page on Facebook and our companion blog on Tumblr. Email us at tfnpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at tfndj and text or leave a message at 720-230-6919. Unified. Unique. Voices. Unified. Unique. Voices. A network of inclusion. Univazpods.net